1200 presents Grassroots, the Minor Hockey Show. A look into the enriching yet complex world of organized hockey. Now with Greg Kennedy, here's Richard Berkison. Welcome back, folks and Greg. Yes. Hi, Berkey. We only have like That's two or three left. Folks and Greg. Yes. People and Greg. Yes, we have like two or three shows left. Uh, two shows after this week. Uh, happy Easter weekend. Oh, yeah. It is. It is. Very early this year. Yes, it's early the Easter, Easter bun- weekend. Easter Bunny coming this weekend? Or- yeah, my brother just called me about dinner. Okay. Easter dinner. Yes. That's, On Sunday? Uh, yeah, tomorrow? but I'm already booked. I see. Yeah, I have to go to, we're going to Chicky's side this year. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we had uh, our show last week about the minor major midget. Didn't hear a whole lot about it. Yeah, I didn't, um, we didn't. We were just talking about that off air. We yeah. didn't get any emails or anything. No. Normally people want to whine and complain because we get our facts wrong or something. Yeah, I guess everybody yeah. loved it. And oh. <laughs> we, got, we got our facts right. Okay, yeah. Mm. All right. One guy wrote to me, and he did make an interesting point. It, um, fellow named Steve. Yes. Now look at you. You used his real name. His well, don't, don't give his last name. Okay. But uh, he writes right. every now and then about the show, and yeah. he liked the minor major thing. And he says it explained a few things to him. But yeah, uh, he says a little bit puzzled trying to find information about associations and what happens in their meetings. They see, it seems to be like a closed court. Um, the minutes of most associations and districts are on their websites. Yeah, you can find them. Yeah, and uh, they usually go up about two months after the actual meeting takes place. They might. Well, I'm sure some of them probably do it the next day. Is you know, well, no, no, you no, can't. No, it would take a month until they get a minutes get approved. Right, the minutes yeah, have to be point. approved. Good point. Minutes have to be approved, so it's at least a month, usually yeah. a little bit more. But you can find them. Yeah, and I have never gone to a website looking for the minutes of a meeting from a minor hockey association and not found them. Let's yeah, put it that way. sometimes you have to dig around a little bit, but uh, certainly the HEO Miners site has got tons of information about uh, you know how the districts run. Like one of the questions he asked in his email to me was, uh, "Well, it seems to be a secret how things are run and how it's organized." And well, it's not no, a secret no, if you go, the HEO Miners site is pretty straightforward. Yes. Like you can find out what constitutes a district, uh, where do you live, you know, uh, uh, who's on the committee for this and that, yep. uh, their email addresses. Uh, what was interesting was that when we were talking to John Reed last week, the uh, yep. HEO Minor Referee in Chief, yeah. both of his phone numbers are on that website. His yeah, e- I know. Yeah, yeah, his email address as well as his home and his you cell can get number. Him anytime you like, it. <laughs> go ahead, so phone him, complain. That, that's a brave. Sure he loves those calls. That's a brave referee. Yeah, he would love those calls. Yeah, and you know I haven't heard any complaints either about the increase in the fees, one dollar per hour, which is really not a lot when you come. That's right true. And well, we talked about that last week. It, yeah. you know what's a buck an hour? The kid gets twenty bucks to do a game. I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with that. Two kids on the ice, forty mm-hmm. bucks. So uh, we're, we're what are we doing sh- this week? Well, are, you don't know, or is that a rhetorical I'm, I'm, question? I'm, I'm teeing it up for you. You're teeing it up. For yes, me. we are looking at uh, NCAA route uh, versus, or in addition to, or whatever you know, the major junior route. Yes, uh, you can't say in addition. Well, to. Well, not in addition to because you can't go major junior. You can do it the other way around. Though. Yeah, and I'm going to ask our guest from the NCAA the question that I threw to you in an email. Yes, that there are rumblings out there yeah, about yeah, the NCAA. True recognizing or not recognizing but allowing major junior players yes who have played possibly, a game possibly changing the recognition yeah. of the ohl as being professional apparently dave branch has been investigating this with the ncaa so we'll, we'll ask him if he knows anything about yes. that we'll ask pat higgins if he knows anything about that yes. we're talking to pat as well yeah uh but before we get to our two guests we have a couple of kudos we have more than a couple we got yeah. uh one two three well, kudos. It, it, it's provincials time and and uh, the on the female side, they're not for another week. Uh, okay. Next week we'll we'll rhyme off at all the, the female at the double A and the intermediate yep, and all yep, that. Yep. yep. On the on the male side, 
Uh, we've got the provincial peewees in Sudbury starting April 4th. Oh, so they're another week off. Yes. Okay, and who's representing us there? It's the uh, Sens. Oh, yeah. They beat the 67s in the final. The Sens AAA. Yeah, so the uh, Ottawa Senator AAA team is playing in the Peewee AAA Provincials starting uh, a week from Monday, right? Correct. Okay, then we have the Bantam, all Ontario Bantam Championships that are being held in Rockland. At the uh, CIHA rink. Yes, hosted by Eastern Ontario Wild. Correct. Who also won the league. Therefore. Therefore, they're in as the host. Correct. And we get a second spot. Correct. Which goes to the team that they beat in the final which was the Ottawa Senators again. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm on fire. You are on fire. And, of course, the TELUS Regional. Which is midget. Yes, the TELUS Cup for midget. The only national minor hockey championship, the TELUS Cup. The regional for that is in... Uh, Waterloo. Waterloo. And going to that is the Canada U18 team. Actually, they're leaving on Sunday. They're leaving... Well, they might have already left today because I think it starts on Sunday the 27th, which is uh, Demain. Yeah, there you go. And, and probably on the Saturday night, there's like a dinner and a banquet. They usually do that stuff yeah. beforehand. The major bantams begin on Monday, which means they're probably leave. Well, no, the teams that are coming here, it's in it's in Ottawa, but the teams that are coming here will probably be leaving on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and on Sunday night, there's a there's a banquet type thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a fun week for those teams. Mm-hmm. We wish the best of luck to our local AAA teams representing. Did you uh, the Did branch. you mention which team is going to the, is host is uh, representing us at the Telus region? Canada. Oh, Canada. Yes. Okay. That, Canada. Did. They beat uh, Cumberland in the final. Right. Uh, it was a closer game in score than it was in play. Was it? Did you see the game? No, I did not. But? I got reports. You got reports from well-informed sources? Oh, my, the best informed sources. <laughs> yes, people that were actually in the building texting okay. me throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was uh, Canada were all over the uh, the grads, apparently. So we hear. That's what this I'm This is told. speculation. No, that's not You're speculation. You're going to get emails and phone calls from the Cumberland crew saying, this, okay. Greg, this is up. Mark Franchi. Oh, I got it from Cumberland people. Oh, you got it from Cumberland people. I got it from a Cumberland dad saying, hey, if, if we didn't have the kid and goal we had today, oh. it would have been 5-1. All right. I believe it was 2-1 or maybe 3-1. Okay. Final. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so. we're off to, uh, we're going to make a couple of phone calls here. Yeah. We're, and uh, we're going to start off talking to... Uh, St. Lawrence University's assistant coach, Mike Hurlbut, yes. who has been up in this region a lot scouting. We're going to give him a call. Yeah, we'll find out. We're, we're going to delve into exactly uh, what are the differences between the two programs. Uh, what do you need to qualify to get there? What kind of packages are you offered, et cetera, et cetera, comparing the NCAA option with the OHL option. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a quick break, and you can get to work on the phone over there. I, yeah. I love this part. You love watching me push yeah, all the buttons if, and making it if work. If we're not back by the end of the commercial break, it's because Berkey has broken the phone. <laughs> so please stay with us. We've got Mike Hurlbert, Hurlbutt coming up from, uh, from St. Lawrence. We'll be back right after this. Grassroots, the minor hockey show continues right after this on TSN 1200. Welcome back to Grassroots, the minor hockey show with Richard Berkison and Greg Kennedy on TSN 1200. We are back for segment two and uh, with Greg and we are talking with Mike Hurlbutt, who is the associate coach at St. Lawrence University uh, in the NCAA and ECAC. And, and Mike, you've been up here scouting a couple of million times? 
just one million. Just one million. One, oh. The one millionth game will be this weekend. <laughs> oh, excellent. Glad you're keeping track. Now, Mike, how did you find it with the new minor midget league up here this year? They talked about one of the selling features was that they thought it would be easier for you guys to come up and see a bunch of junior A games over the course of the weekend and then stick around Monday and see a whack of minor midget games. Did you do that often? Uh, well, we're a little different because we're so it's easier an yeah. hour from downtown Ottawa, basically. And it was convenient on Monday to catch some minor midget games there. Um, and, you know, on the weekends we're playing, so we don't do a lot of recruiting on Friday, Saturday nights uh, up in the Ottawa area. But potentially, usually it's Sunday, Mondays, and then uh, some of the CCHL games during the week, actually. Okay. Yeah, Mike, uh, we want to clarify for our listeners. I almost said our viewers, but there, there's no camera here. We want to clarify for our, for our listeners when NCAA... Uh, scouts can actually make contact with kids uh, and how does it go like you know can you first reach them when they're in their grade 11 year grade 12 year what what is it can you just briefly describe that for us sure uh, as far as uh, coaches or division one coaches contacting kids it's January 1st of their grade 10 year in school uh, up until that point uh, we can have contact with the kids and their parents but it has to come from the kids and parents like they can call us September 1st of grade 10 or September 1st, anytime in grade 9, uh, call us, leave us a message, but we cannot call them back. They have to keep calling until they actually reach us, and we can't respond to emails uh, until uh, January 1st of grade 10 either. So, Can you speak in person? If kids kids try to contact us uh, prior to grade uh, grade 10, January 1st, uh, just keep trying because we're really not allowed to respond. Uh, but after January 1st, we can actually call call those kids and their parents and respond to emails and email them. So. And, and, and you can speak to them in person, obviously. You, you see them in a rink uh, or something. I can speak with them in person uh, in grade 11 okay. uh, off of campus. But on, uh, if they come to campus, come to a game, come for a campus tour, anytime sure. we can have contact with them. But we're limited. Uh, it's it's great. They have to be in grade 11. Um, or I, I, actually it's the summer before grade 11 we can have in-person contact with them. Now that's the player. What about parents and the quote-unquote advisor? Uh, advisors, there's no limitations. Parents, uh, it's the same. Okay. Uh, as, same as the player. We can, I mean, casual contact. We bump into you in the rink. We obviously say hi and, and be uh, cordial, but uh, really not uh, supposed to talk about uh, hockey-related items uh, in person prior to... Uh, Prior to January first, grade eleven. Uh, July July first of before grade before 11. grade eleven. Yeah. yeah. Is it different for D three? Uh, I believe it is. I I don't have any experience at the Division three level, but I don't think they have all the the limitations that we are uh, that the NCAA imposes on us as Division one coaches. Mm-hmm. So you're actually kind of keeping track of kids from probably grade ten in many cases. Uh, we, we start uh, Ma- keeping track of kids uh, in grade nine right now. Minor Ma- bantam, major, major, yep. no minor bantam. Major bantam, yeah. major bantam is or grade major bantam. Yeah. yeah, And uh, you know we have a pretty good list, and uh, you know we reach out through the coaches uh, to express our interest in those kids, and, that, and that's pushing it for us. I mean, some schools have, you know, some of the bigger programs have have gone even younger than that. Uh, we're not comfortable. Um, you know, prior to grade nine, and you know, we'll see kids and make note of them, but we, we wouldn't reach out to contact them unless they were off the charts as far as uh, ability goes. Yeah. So how does it how does it happen then? You 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 go into a rink, you see a a good looking hockey player, you like him. What's what sort of steps do you do you then go through and and 
what kind of processes do you do you take them through? Uh, we we would typically go through the coach uh, to get their contact info. Uh, advisors or I guess they're we call them advisors because they're not agents. Yeah, little kids, but um, and they are you know a source of contact with the kids. Uh, you know, we try to go out through the coaches, and we can get, you know, the coaches take us. Obviously, they deal with them on almost a daily basis where we might see them, you know, a couple times a month and then and try to form an opinion. But, you know, you try to get, uh, you know, how the kid, uh, how he is uh, character-wise, how does he work hard in practice. You know, for us and for me especially, I, I, I love kids that have a high compete level, and you can find kids with a high compete and high skill level that um, that really catches catches my eye in, in particular, and I think it's the same for most coaches. Mike, is there a, I don't want to use the word typical, but I will use the word typical, <laughs> the typical kind of player that seems to be best suited for NCAA or even St. Lawrence specifically? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, I think the stigma in the past has always been, oh, I look, you know, the small, quick guys go to school and the, and the bigger bigger players. And uh, Not from I, looking at your lineup. Um, I looked at your roster the other day. Whoa. Yeah, no, we've got uh, we've got almost uh, we've got twenty six on our roster, and I think twenty two of them are five eleven and a half, and or six. Wow. And it's funny how it's uh, we've got a lot of kids that are the same size, and we've got a couple of kids that are six three, um, and are, are big kids. But you know, the stigma used to be you know in the past that you know college was you know small high skill guys and buzz around, and uh, but that's changed. I mean, the average size at the Division one level, I believe, is. 511 and you know 185 pounds and um you know some schools are a little bit bigger i know uh, you know some programs recruit size wise cornell comes to mind they've got a huge group of forwards with you know eight guys that are six two and bigger than three or four little guys sprinkled in there that look even smaller than they are because of the because of their line mates but um every school looks for different things and uh we are right now we're trying to get high skill high compete guys uh greg carvel's our, our head coach and you know, as people in Ottawa know, he was the assistant coach with the Senators for eight years, and he has a uh, he loves skilled guys. And if we can get uh, that combination of, of skill and, and compete, and uh, being able to make plays at pace and uh, be a real fast team, uh, you know, that's certainly appealing to, to us as, as coaches at St. Lawrence. Mike, what uh, what's the balance, so to speak, between marks and hockey ability that that NCAA schools are mostly looking for? Uh, you know, I, I think every school would ideally love love to have kids that do extremely well in the classroom because it, it carries over to the ice. Uh, when kids come to the rink uh, for their practices, they're not you know worried about flunking out of uh, or flunking some courses and are struggling in the classroom. They can focus on hockey and and vice versa. When they leave the rink, hopefully they're doing very well and can focus on their uh, on their studies. But um, you know, most there's minimum standards uh, that the NCAA clearinghouse imposes. But you know, if you're an average student, you should be admissible to most schools, other than the Ivies, which you know they have a real high academic standard there. But I know at St. Lawrence, uh, we you know we'd like to have kids uh, you know with a minimum grade average of 80 or, or high 70s. And uh, the Ontario school system is strong, so we get a bit of a, our admissions gives us about a 10% addition to the grade. So. You know, a high 70s average in Ontario uh, is certainly admissible to, to us here at St. Lawrence. So you've, you've brought up the term, the clearinghouse. Let's get into the clearinghouse and writing SATs and, and how exactly does one qualify to get into a, an NCAA program? Well, you have to you register with a clearinghouse, and then as, as you uh, matriculate through school, uh, you keep up to date, and you have to 
send in a final transcript, and the uh, NCAA Clearinghouse reviews that. Uh, you have to have an SAT score or an ACT score, and they uh, that in combination with the grade point average clears you, uh, so to speak, to, uh, to play Division One hockey. And uh, it's a it's a sliding scale. It is going up uh, this year, I believe, uh, but it's you know it's still a it's a it's a low threshold. So if if you're going to school and you're doing okay, you should be fine uh, with the clearinghouse, unless you have a you know happen to do very poorly on one of the standardized tests. So yeah. it's, so it's not St. Lawrence admission specifically that looks at a player's admissibility. It's the NCAA clearinghouse. Yes. Yep. They want to make sure that the kids have a have a minimum level of of uh, achievement in school. And you know, some kids and you know, I've seen some transcripts that are, you know a kid has a you know a sixty average. He's not going to get into St. Lawrence uh, for sure, and he's he's probably not going to qualify through the clearinghouse. Uh, you know, and it's unfortunate because some kids. You know, the first couple of your grade nine, grade ten, they're not focused on school. They all they're all about hockey, and they don't realize they're they're really putting themselves behind the eight ball when it comes to the NCAA route because um, you know they struggle. And admissions starts looking at uh, grades in in grade nine and grade ten, and uh, they like to see improvement. But uh, if you start out poorly, it's it's tough to recover. Okay, so how many kids are on your official roster? How many of them would be on? full scholarships, half scholarships, how how exactly, how many scholarships do you have and how do you usually divvy them up? Uh, Division one, you're limited to 18 full scholarships and uh, we we do have 18 full scholarships. Uh, I believe we've got 12 to 13 players that are full full scholarship and then we've, we've divided up some of the other ones. Uh, we also have the ability to combine academic award money with scholarship money. Uh, so again, if you've got really good grades, uh, you become, you know, very appealing to us because um, it doesn't cost us as much of our full scholarship money to provide the player and his parents with a full scholarship. If they got good grades, we can combine that, and uh, it gives us a little bit more flexibility there. Uh, some schools are strictly financial aid. Uh, Union comes to mind, uh, and also the Ivy League schools are, are financial aid-based uh, awards, so it, uh, it depends on the uh, assets and the income level of the family. Mike, uh for a player who um, is looking at the OHL, or not just the OHL, it could be the Q or you know Western League, uh, is it correct to say that if they play one exhibition game, they are ineligible? They are ineligible for <coughs> a certain time period, and that's I think uh, that's becoming a little bit more uh, a, not a uh, I guess it's appealable at the NCAA level. I know some kids in the Ottawa. Uh, region have played a couple exhibition games and they've appealed it and you know they don't have to sit out a full year um, but they can they have to sit out some games and it's really it's, it's it used to be where if you played one exhibition game or you signed a, uh, a standard contract with a, a major junior team uh, you were ineligible for at least a year and then if you, after every game you played you just kept adding games to the uh, uh, suspension, if you want to call it, at, at uh, Division One level. But then, since they've, they've become a little bit more lax and in, in, uh, not enforcing the rule, but uh, being a little more more lenient and understanding that it's, maybe a kid makes a mistake, he you know he's all excited because all his buddies have signed with an OHL team, and he signs, and all of a sudden realizes that's not the best case, and um, you know there's an appeal process for sure. The appeal is to the NCAA, not to the school, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. it's out of the school. And that also brings in the, the, the quote-unquote 48-hour rule where you can go to an OHL camp 
on their dime for 48 hours after that if you're going to stay it my understanding correct that you then would stay in a hotel and not take any meals or any money from them but you could stay as long as you didn't play yeah pay your own way yeah. you can't accept any uh jerseys or hats or t-shirts or right. things like that and it's uh there's a lot of strict rules and um you know, I think most kids are aware of it that are considering going to school and are still on the fence where they want to play, and um, it, it does make it a little bit difficult. But that's where you know advisors come into play, and I think most uh, OHL teams or Q teams are you know they're aware of the situation. They're not they're not right. trying to fool kids into yeah. uh, into signing a, signing something that they're going to get down the road. But does it apply to uh, somebody playing in the USHL? Uh, no, it doesn't because USHL is a tier. Tier two junior okay, league, right, as right. it is called, and um, no, and that is that is the best league uh, as far as talent uh, wise goes for uh, for Division one teams to recruit from. If you go out there in the fall, you know ha- at least half the kids are already committed to a Division one school, and you know the majority on on uh, on close to full scholarship. Mm-hmm, right, it, it's deep, and uh, you know it's, it's a fun league to to watch because it's almost like watching a, an American hockey league game. It's so you know controlling and, and focused, and, and guys have specific roles. And uh, you know usually it translates pretty well. How you play in that league is how you're going to play as a as a Division one player for the most part. And you know what? We're we're running out of time. We like, are. It, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Give us your best sales pitch. Why should I choose the NCAA or St. Lawrence specifically over trying my luck in the O? Uh, I think that's you hit exactly on the head with try my luck. Um, you know, if you're going to be a first round NHL pick, uh, by all means, go play in the OHL and uh, and have a real good career. And you know, I think, but that's to determine that at, at 15, 16, there's not too many kids that uh, they're going to be first round NHL picks. And, and don't be in a hurry and, and keep your options open. Um, you know, go to school, have four years to develop in a, in a great atmosphere, and work out. You know, four days a week, play Friday, Saturday, ton of skill development. Great coaching. Uh, you're going to meet lifelong friends. They're going to open up a lots of doors for you for jobs because even if you play in the NHL, you know the majority of those NHL guys are going to need a job after yeah, the networking. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Mike. We want to thank you for joining us. I know that I I just realized while we were talking, I didn't reply to your last email. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a shout when we're off the air here and give you an update if that works for you. Perfect. Okay, yeah, that sounds good, Greg. All right. Appreciate your time today, Mike. Thanks for your time. Okay. All right. All right. I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out to me. Right. Okay. Okay. Bye now. Okay. Thank you. That was interesting. So yep. Now we've got one side. We've got to get the other side, but we are we really will. stretching our time here. Okay. That's we're, okay. We're going to uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with Pat Higgins from the Ottawa 67s to give us the OHL side of things here in this big decision that some players have to make. We'll be back right after this. Grassroots, the minor hockey show continues right after this on TSN 1200. Welcome back to Grassroots, the minor hockey show with Richard Berkison and Greg Kennedy on TSN 1200. We are back, segment three. We just had Mike Hurlbutt on, Greg, from uh, St. Lawrence. Yeah, and now we got Pat Higgins. And now we got Pat Higgins on the line, uh, the uh, 67s, the, the head, scout. head scout for the 67s here in Ottawa. Welcome, Pat. Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing? Um, for those of you who don't know, Pat actually coached Junior A in this region. Of course he did. He did. Yes, the Nippian Raiders. Was it a couple of years? Uh, Ottawa, no, in coached, Ottawa too. No, I did not coach the Raiders. I, I coached. Ottawa. Uh, I coached the Junior Sens at yeah. one time. There I also go. coached South Ottawa Junior Bees. Oh, that's uh, right. Back in the day, <laughs> that's um, many moons ago. 
So yeah, well, I'm back with uh, Eddie and Dave Pilkington and. Mm-hmm. No, actually, Gordy Hamilton. This, oh, this even longer club, ago, Patty. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, when Bert first went up with Killer, yeah. uh, I took over for Bert. Holy okay. smokes! Nineteen eighty-six. <laughs> so it's, it's a few years ago. So as we were uh, You're talking to a very old guy. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. There's a very old guy in the studio. Thanks. Yeah, Greg. Okay. Greg. Anyway, Higgy, tell us. I'm a. I'm a, a budding minor midget hockey player. The OHL comes a knock, and I get drafted. Is this the decision I should make? Should I be going? Shouldn't I be going? What kind of a pitch would you give me? Well, again, I think it's such a it's such an honor for any young boy that gets a chance to play in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it could be a bit biased. I've been working in the league for over twenty years, but I just it's such a it's such a great league and it's such a great opportunity uh, that if you're fortunate enough to be one of the few kids uh, they're able to play in the league, I just think you know that it's a it's an opportunity that's hard to pass. It's a you know once in a lifetime opportunity for most kids. Well, the college guys would say that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to go to Colgate or Harvard or Cornell or Oswego State. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could make that argument for anybody. Well, I would not. I don't think the Harvard guys would want you to include Oswego State. In, in that, uh, it was. It wasn't quite in, in the same, same breath. Conversation, um, but uh, I took a breath. You know, but, obviously, if you're if you're a, a good enough student and a good enough player that you qualify to go to a Harvard or a Yale, uh, you know, God bless you. That's, sure. that's a hell of an opportunity. That's again a chance of a lifetime. Right. And uh, I, I wouldn't think any kid or any family would probably want to pass on an opportunity at an Ivy League education. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, that's where you always tell kids. And I, I just had a conversation with a dad today about keeping your options open. Um, that's what you want to have. If you're a good student and a good player, you have options. Uh, they, you know, schools, they want good players, but you can't be a bad student. Yep. And if you're a good student and a bad player, you don't qualify for the Ontario Hockey League. So... You have to be, you know, one of those exceptional kids that's a very good hockey player and also a very good student. We like our kids to go to school also. Every every kid that comes through the Ontario Hockey League, you know, and again, you know, depending on where you're drafted, uh, like first-round picks, and again, depending on how good the kid is, but every first-round kid gets a, gets a four-year you know, school package guaranteed where if you go to university, I think they're four one-year deals. So if you happen to not academically be able to get through a year or if you're hockey tails off and you're not a good enough hockey player um, you know there is an opportunity for them to probably get rid of you or, or your scholarship becomes null and void where a first round pick in the Ontario Hockey League uh, you play one shift um, you know if you if you are a first round draft pick and your, your school package is guaranteed for four years so as, as a 16 year old or as a parent looking at that's you know that's a, a heck of an opportunity for a kid to know that in the bank no matter what happens um, you know, you, the worst you're going to do is you're going to go to a Canadian university. And again, if you're a good enough player, because that is a hell of a brand of hockey itself, yeah. you're going to play university hockey for four years. You're going to end up with an education uh, from Canada. And I, I'm a big believer in our education system. So, you know, you can take a crack at being a hockey player through junior hockey for four years or five if you come in as an underage. And you will have four or five years university paid for when you finish with us. Yeah, the, the schoolboy package, Patty. And, and, and there are also various assorted halves and quarters and one year for two years and, and, and that sort of thing. Like the, uh, Agents negotiate these sort of deals with, with OHL clubs, correct? Yeah, we don't have quarters and we don't have halves. If you play, 
um, a certain amount of games in the Ontario Hockey League. And again, it's, it's, it's what's written into your contract. And yes, you do have an agent. All of our contracts have to be filed with the Ontario Hockey League. Right. And so everything is done, you know, above board and it's, it's very legit. And so there's no kid that's ever played for the Auto 67s that's a student that hasn't got a year for every year that he's played for Ottawa has got a year of, of uh, education benefits. What, what constitutes a year? Uh, yeah, I think once, well, it, it can actually, again, what's written into your contract, I think the minimum, uh, or the, you could, if you play your sixth game, um, you're guaranteed school for a year. But, again, it depends on your package. Some kids can have it written in that if you play an exhibition game or if you play one regular season game. So, you know, depending on your age and what he does. And sometimes I think it's better to play the league game because um, if you if they don't think that you're going to be a good enough player after uh, training camp or after one exhibition game, if they decide to let you go, then your contract isn't guaranteed where once you play a league game, your contract is guaranteed. Right. So, so you also have kids who are not necessarily the first rounder who gets that automatic bang. Here's four years, but you'll have guys, uh, third, fourth, fifth rounders, where you're giving them a one for one or maybe a maybe a two year package for one game kind of thing like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it, those are all negotiated uh, with your agent or you know family advisor, whoever looks after you, and and the team that you're dealing with. And every team is different, but but every kid will get you know, some form of school package. Now, what are, are there any restrictions on the schools that the kids go to? Well, right now we have it to where you you go to the closest university to where you live, mm-hmm. and you just flat out, we we actually have, you know, a, a scale, and it's, so if you live in, in South Ottawa, you would go to Carleton University or Ottawa U, whatever the closest one, and if it's, you know, 1700 or 8300 a year uh, for uh, for school, you just, we write that in your contract. Based on the you know the deal that stuck with yeah, but with then the you team. go to, you go to whatever school you like, but you get the equivalent right. of one year of tuition and books at the closest university to your home. Well, whatever one's written into your contract. Yeah, that's right. Correct. Okay. Okay. Can we just clarify that? Yeah. If if I live in Ottawa and I play for the sixty sevens, I was on you know ninth round or something like that. Whatever. And uh, I could go to Carleton or U of O, but I I choose to go to Acadia, or I choose to go to U of T or Saskatchewan, then uh, how much of that is covered? Your dollar figure. The we dollar figure. dollar figure in your contract. Okay. Right, and that figure That's is based thing, on... But if you want to go down east or whatever, if it's, you know... Right. And we, you know, I can't even get 20 guys, but we're not going to bore anybody with that. But, um, you know, some of our guys, like Thomas Nesbitt, or there's been, you know, lots and lots right. of guys that decide they want to go down east and go to school. And the great thing about the Canadian universities, and they, they're very competitive now, too, so... You know, Thomas may have a job at a hockey school for the summer down there, and there's all kinds of ways that those kids can offset some of their costs, and then they still get their dollar figure that's based on their contract with us. Um, so they they're, they're pretty they do pretty well if they end up going to a very good school that's competitive and try to recruit the kid. And obviously, the better the player, uh, the better deal that the university will give you when you get there. Now, obviously, Pat, with uh, you know the schedule of major junior, the amount of travel, particularly for a team like Ottawa, with you know every single game is at least you know a couple hours or more. Uh, every it, road game, you mean? Well, I meant the road well, games. Yes, half our schedule at home. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most teams I find are like that. About half their yeah. schedules are at home. And uh, Kingston's in our division, and Peterborough's in our division. So you know those, and Oshawa too. Those are they're know, reasonable. Yeah, it's a. It's a, you know, we lost Belleville, so that did hurt us a little bit as far as our travel. Right. But 
it is a weekend league, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd say, I don't have the exact percentage, but I'd say 80% of our games are more played between that Thursday and Sunday. Um, you may find that kids miss more school if they played well. This year in Ottawa wouldn't have been so bad because the kids didn't travel as much. But if you take, you know, some of the Toronto teams or, or what we would consider to be the norm in Ottawa over the years, yeah. a kid who played minor midget AAA would probably miss as many school days uh, or more. as he did. If he come. Yeah, or more sometimes, yeah. in, you, in, you know, depending on where you live. In the old minor midget. Yeah, we don't talk about that. No, we're not talking about that. Uh, okay, so Higgy. So the province minor midget. Okay. So Higgy, what's. So what's in the north, they don't either. What's an average uh, schedule like as far as practice goes, uh, school schedules, and, and how does that work with you, with your players? Well, we practice when they're done school. So they finish their school and they come to the rink, and usually, I don't know if they're on the ice, you know, 3, 3.30 to 5 or whatever, that type of thing. Now, do most of them, I know in the old days, they always went to the same school. Do you still try to do that? Uh, again, depends. You know, they're, they're, the I mean, the out of town. wants to stay in his school. Right. Um, that's allowed to. So, you know, um, we do have a, a little bit of a different thing that's gone on in the last couple of years where we've had them in the, in the school called Blythe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so they all go to the same place, um, and it's, it's very handy, a lot of them. It's funny because all the kids that are coming out of that Toronto area, or we've had, you know, we had connecting in that group of kids. Some of them they had gone to Peak. Well, they, you know, so they drove in from wherever uh, Travis lived in between Sarnia and London, and he would pretty well uh, come into Peak every day in London. So they're kind of used to that format. Some yeah. of these elite kids that are, you know, they want to combine their hockey and their education mm-hmm. at the same time. They um, these schools are popping up all over the place. So. Uh, they kind of like that format. Yeah, Blythe Academy, I think, is the one that runs also out of the CIHA in Rockland. I think I believe it is. Too. Yeah, they're in a few places in Ontario. They're also a private, <laughs> uh, sort of a private institution that offer programming. Yeah, and again, they're, they're becoming more and more popular all the yes. time. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Is it time for the elevator pitch? Well, yep, the elevator pitch okay. time. Well, first of all, Higgy, I assume you're busy coming up here. You just probably just came back for the minor midget OHL Cup. Uh, yeah, will you be out to the uh, TELUS Cup? I was at the OHL Cup, and then I went to Michigan okay. on the weekend for the U.S. Uh, top yep. 40 camp. And um, so, yeah, I was on the road for a little over a week and got geez. to see, you know, all the great Ontario kids, and then I saw 45 or 46 of the top U.S. kids. So, and Will you go to the Bantams? Scouting goes, uh, the Bantams, no. I have a hard enough time trying yeah. to make sure I understand the midgets. So <laughs> okay. I'll wait till next year to figure out the Bantams. All right, we're going to close the same thing we gave to Mike Hurl, but you've, you've got 30 seconds to make your pitch. Why should I choose the OHL? Well, you know what? I uh, honestly, I don't. I would never ask a kid to choose. It has to be something that they want to do. I think it's for most kids that I deal with. It's something that's been a passion of theirs. And um, you know, let's face it, most kids who grew up in Ottawa, I think they, you know, they are '67 fans. And um, and again, if the school route is what you choose to do, then we just wish the kids all the best. And I usually try and be straightforward with the family before I, the draft. And I do interview most of the kids, and, and I usually find out what their interests are. And if they're interested in coming to our league, we, we proceed. But if they are interested in school, we just wish them all the best in, uh, with their education and their hockey. Nice. Well said. Yeah, that was 35 seconds, but yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Patty, thanks very much for joining us today. I hope that our listeners have been enlightened. I have a feeling we may get some more email questions yep. than, than, than the norm, and we might have to call you back at some point. <laughs> no problem, right. guys. Have all a right. great day. Thanks, thanks Patty. Thanks, Pat. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Okay, we've now had both sides. I, I, I'm serious, though. I think we're going to get some emails today on this show. We're going to Grassroots at TSN 1200. Time to go to a break. break. Okay, yeah. we're going to, we're right up against it. We're going to a break. We'll be back. Hang with us. Grassroots, the minor hockey show continues right after this on TSN 1200.
Welcome back to Grassroots, the minor hockey show with Richard Berkison and Greg Kennedy on TSN 1200. We are back, Greg, for our final segment. Two really good yeah. reports from uh, Mike Hurlbutt of, and, and, of St. Lawrence and, and uh, Pat Higgins of uh, the 67s. And both of them were, you know, whatever is the best for you, we support. That is the thing that jumped out at me. You know, you talk to, um, we both, you know, experienced working with, you know, Bantam Midget, yep. junior kids. Uh, I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to get drafted or I don't care if I get drafted. You know, the whole thing. It's a highly individual choice that what works for that guy across the street who has been touted as being the second coming. Right is not necessarily going to work for you. They may be looking for, maybe a university is looking for just right shot defensemen. Maybe the 67s one year are going to be looking for just centers, and they they are really desperate for centers. Um, and you know, maybe the, the marks play a role. But, yeah. but it's, a, it's an individual decision, Yes, and it was nice to hear both sides say, we would support whichever decision you make. I don't think nobody's out there bending arms or no. trying to force people into coming to their programs. Well, let's face it, as as Pat Higgins uh, said, if a kid has always had a hankering to play Major Junior, well, specifically the O, yeah. more specifically the 67s, a club that's had a long history of success, yep. going back to that Kilray guy, yeah. going back you know right. 35 years or whatever it was, that um, if a kid has always had a hankering to do that, and they've got the marks, and they can make a case for themselves, whether they're their fourth rounder or a twelfth rounder, go for it. Yeah. If you can do it, why not? I would agree. Mm-hmm. I think that the other thing that factors into this is the number of people out there who put money into RESPs, and they've put money away for their child's education. And you combine that with the fact that the CHL team is going to give you an education package, mm-hmm. that maybe sort of wipes out the whole idea of the scholarship. So then it comes down to a decision of the hockey. What level is it? How good is the team? What position do I play versus openings that they have? What style does that coach employ versus the style I play? What type of ice service, size of rink is it? Does that suit me? The city, the town, all those other things factor into it. I think you can almost wipe out the school part of it. Now, one thing we did not, and we did this deliberately, one thing we did not touch on in this show today is the CIS. Yeah. And you and I made a conscious effort not to, well, not effort, but we, we deliberately did that because the CIS is not going after no. the 16-year-olds. Those kids have to play a couple of years of, of certainly junior A, uh, in many cases major junior, because they are on those packages from, from major junior. Yes. Uh, they're usually older players. So for the most part, they aren't making that, for the most part. Yeah. Now, I may, we may get an email from Marty Johnston that, that, yeah. that that's not true, but I know some kids uh, who have played for Carlton over the years, and... Uh, they made the jump from junior A, yep. but it took them two or three years to actually feel comfortable. Yeah, the, the, a CIS program is not competing for the same players no. in the OHL and the NCAA. No. Uh, oh, sorry. To a certain extent, yes, they are competing with what the NCAA is looking at. A third-year guy playing tier two, uh, sorry, playing CCHL junior A right. is, is a potential CIS player. Mm-hmm. But the majority of your CIS rosters now are made up of graduated mm-hmm. major junior players. And the other thing to consider, too, and maybe we should get Marty and, and uh, uh, on the show at some, oh, maybe sure. not, not this year, the next year, then talking about, you know, what it costs to go to a school in Canada versus the States if you're going Division Three, let's yeah. say. Oh, yeah. If you go to, you know, SUNY, Plattsburgh, or whatever SUNY. it might be, SUNY, Plattsburgh, if you're going Division Three where it's based on family income and you're getting right. you know, a yeah. certain amount of help, well, 
you know, if your family's making money, then it's going to cost you more to go to school right. there. Should you stay in Canada? You know, are we going to get all I, I can xenophobic about staying in Canada? And Honestly, I've never understood people who choose that option. Why? It's costing you money to get a, in a lot of cases, a substandard education. Sometimes. Sometimes. I've known of a, a number of Division three schools, small schools, liberal arts schools, Williams College jumps to mind, uh, that uh, have outstanding res- uh, 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 what reputation studying. Depending on what yeah. you're studying. Yeah. I think the other thing that maybe we need to clarify is the whole OHL schoolboy package. What is a one year of school? You're given one year. Right. Just to clarify, wherever you live, we figure out the closest university to your home, mm-hmm. whatever the cost of a year of tuition and a year of uh, books is, mm-hmm. that's the dollar figure you get. Yes. You do not have to go to that school. No. But that's the dollar figure you right. get to go to where, and use whatever school you like. Right. And keep in mind, Canadian schools are a whole lot cheaper. And you know that there are scholarships available in Canadian schools. Oh, geez, if, you yes. know, the rookie, uh, you can have rookie first year uh, scholarships. You can have academic awards. In the corporate world, there's all kinds of money out there that if you, uh, yes. you, you know, this company and that company give right. out scholarships. So if you you've can, been, a, if you you've been a good, find it. if you've been a good student and you decide to go to the O or the Q or wherever it might be, right. and then you go to a CIS school and you've got good marks, then you may get uh, some money over and above what you got from, from yes. the, uh, from the marriage junior team. So you are correct. That was I, a good show. I'm correct. Uh, it, well, okay, you were correct twice last week. I don't count. Pat yourself on the back. Don't hurt yourself. Okay. Okay. We're done for today. We are done for What's today. What's our plan for next week? At this point, we're uh, we're leaving that open. We have we have a couple of the ideas. Irons we've thrown in the fire. Irons in the fire, and it's getting on to GM AGM time, and yes. meetings and planning for next year, and maybe we'll look at that as well. Yeah. And in the meantime, remind people to get out there and vote or run for positions or whatever yes. whatever comes up. So we want to thank our two guests, Mike Hurlbutt from St. Lawrence uh, University in Canton and Pat Higgins of the Ottawa 67s here in town for joining us today. You've been listening to Grassroots, the minor hockey show on TSN 1200. And on behalf of my friend Richard Bergeson, I'm Greg Kennedy. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the rings. This has been Grassroots, the minor hockey show on TSN 1200. Catch us again next weekend or get your grassroots fix anytime with our podcast at tsn1200.ca.